Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. The Arab people have an expression, all sunshine makes a desert. I tend to think sunny days are the only perfect days, the days of peace, plenty and pleasure. But what if life was always sunny? Would that really be a good thing? Or put another way, storm clouds bring rain, which leads to new life and growth. So on rainy days, I'm reminded to be thankful because without the showers, my world would be terribly dry like the Sahara Desert. Yet there are many people whose hearts have known so little real sorrow. They have been more privileged and have had to feel so little distress worrying about others that they cannot understand people who are struggling. They are like an unenlightened child who is not capable of grasping the difficulties of life. To a child, his mother and father's fears probably appear needless. But when he grows up and years of experience have been added to his life, when he comes face to face with life's challenges, he will look back upon his parents' life and understand the problems that were once so incomprehensible. Bitter experience always gives us deeper insight, wisdom, understanding, and sympathy for those who are struggling. The psalmist encourages us with these reassuring words, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Our special guest on It Is Written Canada today is Paul Croft, whose life was struck by a storm of afflictions and countless rainy days. In a moment, Paul will share his story. Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. In his own words, Paul Croft felt like a lost sheep. Paul confessed that he lived his life the way he wanted to, not caring about anyone or anything. But this eventually cost him his freedom and he ended up in jail. Today our special guest Paul Croft is here to share with us how God had a divine appointment with him in jail, and his life was about to change in ways that he could never have imagined. Paul, welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for having me. Paul, let's go back to your beginnings. Tell us about where you were born, your family, and uh, how you got to where you are today. So I was born in Manchester, England. Um, we moved to Canada in 1972. Uh, at the ripe old age of eight years old. Um, I have one brother who lives out in Vancouver Island. Um, I'm married. We have three adult boys um, and we have two grandchildren, a uh, boy and a grandson and a granddaughter. 
Paul, what was your walk with God like as you were growing up? So up until about 2014, I was a very lost sheep. Um, I lived my life my own way, doing whatever I wanted to do, um, not really having any real connection with God. I dabbled in faith a little bit, but never really got serious about it. So I wasn't really following God at all. How did that affect you? Well, it got me into trouble. Um, and, uh, and that trouble, uh, like you said, eventually cost me my freedom and uh, ended up uh, spending some time in jail. Paul, life really changed for you when you went into jail. God had a divine appointment with you. How did he get your attention? So, and I'm not a bad person. Um, just did, made some bad choices in life and got uh, in with a little bit of bad people. Um, so, it can happen to anyone. Um, we just have to be careful. But um, when I was in jail, um, I was, went to the jail library um, and I found some books that had nothing written on the spine. Um, and so I pulled one out and it was this Bible. And I could not put it back. Um, something made me hold on to it um, and take it back to my jail cell. And uh, I decided to open it up and read it. It's written in very easy to understand English, so it was very easy to, to understand. And the more I read into it, the more I wanted to read into it. Um, so I found, my spy, found myself spending less time out with the people, um, the other inmates, and more time in my jail cell just reading the Bible because I just wanted to, to spend more time with it. Can I take a look at that book? Sure. Because it's really interesting. So there was nothing on the spine. No but it says the keys to freedom <laughs> and you had lost your freedom. Yes. So uh, someone put that there for you. Absolutely. And you, you found it uh, something that obviously changed your life. Absolutely. So it, it changed my life in so many ways because like I said, the more I read it, the more I wanted to read it. And I actually would spend at least three times a day uh, with the Bible. Uh, first thing in the morning, and then we had two little lockdowns for an hour each time, and both of those lockdowns I would spend reading the Bible, and then sometimes before I went to bed at night. So God really got your attention? Absolutely. So by the time I was halfway through my sentence, I'd read through the Bible one time, um, and I was starting to read it for a second time. Um, one of the things that I'd noticed was my trucker's mouth was gone. I used to use a lot of foul language, and I'd stopped using foul language. Um, my fellow inmates had noticed a difference without me even telling them anything that had changed. To begin with, I was smiling in jail. And one of the things, you do not smile in jail. You can't be happy in jail. And uh, so I was smiling in jail and people were wondering what had happened, why I was so happy. Wow. God really got hold of you, Paul. Absolutely. So can you tell us what happened on your 50th birthday? So on my 50th birthday, not the kind of birthday that you want to spend. Any, any birthday in jail is sad, but a milestone birthday is, is a very sad day. So it was looking to be the worst day of my life. But I was in the middle of writing a letter to my wife, which I wrote many letters. I think, we, uh, I think it was 45 letters that I wrote during the seven month sentence. So I was in the middle of writing a letter to my wife and in the letter to my wife, I told her that I was committing my life to Jesus Christ before I even told myself. So God had me write the words in that letter um, and I immediately broke down in tears um, because 
it was really, really significant. So God was writing your story through the pen. Sometimes the pen can write what the mouth can't speak or just get those thoughts on paper. Absolutely. I, I have no explanation to it to this day, and we kept that letter. We kept all the letters, but that letter is a very, very special one for us. Paul, what did God teach you about true love while you were in jail? I always had a problem with love. Um, I never really loved anybody. Um, I didn't love myself to begin with, or else I would not have ended up in jail. But I had struggled with love of my wife, uh, love of my kids. Um, and so I was visited by a, a jail uh, chaplain and he, we were, my wife was struggling with relationships with people around the town that we lived in because of what had happened with me. And his response to me was, you have to love them. And that was very difficult for me because if I didn't love myself, how could I love others? My love was so bad that even though my wife obviously knew that I was going to jail and my kids and even my oldest brother knew, I couldn't even tell my parents that I was going to jail. So, because I was scared of that. So there was a complete total lack of love in, in my life. But reading through the Bible, you learn that God was all about love from the very, very beginning. Um, even when Adam and Eve first sinned, he was all about love because he'd set up the redemption plan at the, at the beginning. And then he gave his only son for us. So John is my favorite book of the Bible. Um, and so when you read what Jesus did for us, um, it just teaches us how important love is, how important it is to love ourselves, but also to love those around us. So I quickly found out in jail, uh, being separated from family, uh, and how important love was. How important my wife was to me to begin with. Being separated from her really was difficult. Um, and I found out how much I really did love her and how much I did love my, the rest of my family. My wife was on a different page though. While I was changing, she could not really see it. It was only in letters and the, the bi-weekly phone calls that we had. So you can't really get a gauge as to where a person is. But I knew that I was changing. Um, but I needed to be with her to prove that these changes were actually real. So when you're in jail, you're in jail with a cross-section of society. There's young, old, all different racial backgrounds, all different upbringings, all sorts of different people. To be honest with you, a lot of those people in jail I would not have befriended um, if I was not stuck with them in that, in that unit. But you have to learn to get along with them. You have to learn to love them for who they are um, and just recognize them for their differences. Um, and that helped me to build that love relationship because like I said, it, they're not people that I would have mixed with on the outside. So as my release date uh, came closer, time stands still. I mean, jail time runs slow anyways, but time really started to stand still. And I needed to be home to prove to my wife, to my family, that I was a different person, that I'd changed completely uh, while I was in jail. Um, I also needed to prove that to myself, because while I was locked up, I did not have the outside influences, um, so very, very limited influence that could change me. Um, but So I needed to get out. But it was still uh, time away, but just, just with just a month left in my sentence, I got incredible news that I was going to be released a month early. And I'd previously been told that nobody 
gets released a month early. Nobody gets released early at all. So, but I'd done a lot of prayer on it, and through the grace of God, I got released uh, that month early. So I would be able to prove to myself and others that I was a new person. So with three days left in my original sentence, I tried to phone my wife to tell her the news, and there was no answer. And I phoned over and over and over again that day, trying to get hold of her. Finally, I got hold of her to tell her that she needed to come and pick me up in three days' time. And uh, she screamed in my ear, literally almost blew out my eardrum, because we were both so excited to be that I was coming home early. You know, Paul, this just shows me that God's timing is perfect. He knew that you would be ready a month before your release date to go out and to show everyone how He changed you and that you are transformed and a new creation in Jesus. That's so encouraging. So all these changes were happening in your life, Paul, during this time that you were in jail. What was happening in Judy's life? So unbeknownst to me, Judy, even before I'd gone to jail, had been attending the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, because of the work schedule that I had, I was not always home on the weekends. Um, so she was attending the church. She was going to prayer night meetings, things like that. So while I was in jail, she was having regular Bible studies with our pastor. And this was happening on a, on a weekly basis. She was also going to, to church on a weekly basis, never telling me any of this at all. What was your thoughts when you started to find this out? I was honestly not 100% sure. I wasn't sure where our lives were going at this point because I still had, a, I'd had so many changes happening in my life that I did not know what the future was going to hold. But it wasn't a bad thing. Um, and when I came home and I met the pastor, I knew that what was going on was an absolute good thing. There was also a visit that you had from a pastor while you were in Regina. Tell us about that. So yeah, so Pastor Troy Goodyear, um, through the pastor that Judy was seeing, um, had made contact with me and asked for permission to, to come and visit. And he came and visit, and it was wonderful. Um, he came to visit me the one time, uh, gave me a Bible, um, a New King James Bible, which I swapped out for the other Bible that I'd been reading and started reading that. And I went away from that meeting, thanked him for coming and uh, thought that that was the end of it until the next week when I got a call to go back to the chapel and he was there again. And he came to visit me every week except for one for the rest of my sentence. Um, we developed a really good friendship while I was in jail, um, a good relationship, and we still have that friendship to this day. So when Paul was in jail, he was writing me a lot of letters and uh, I was having a difficult time writing letters, but he was starting to write more and more and writing quotes from the Bible. He wrote the entire love chapter in uh, Corinthians. And I uh, was starting to think, this man is changing so much. Another thing, uh, when I was, uh, at the time when Paul was in jail, my knees were giving me a lot of trouble. I was needing knee surgery, and so I could not load, mow the lawn. So Pastor Ricardo, and I don't know of any priests who do this, but he would cut my lawn 
every week he would come and cut my lawn and then he would brush the grass off himself and he'd be sniffling and sneezing and and he'd say I kind of have a a reaction to grass like I, I'm allergic to it and and I'm like you're allergic and you're cutting my lawn and what was great is later he'd be blowing his nose but he'd be doing a bible study with me and that was another wonderful way to uh, to learn about the faith learn about the bible instead of an hour with learning the bible he would spend like two and a half hours with me and it was a wonderful time to learn the bible and i was very grateful for that now when paul ended up in jail uh, i was already doing bible studies with his wife and that was a very sensitive time Judy needed a lot of help. I remember going there earlier so that I could cut the grass and mow the lawn. And then I would do the Bible study. And it was such a nice time. And um, one of the things also that it was amazing in that time is that though Paul was going through a hard time in jail, he ended up being in a, in a, in a, in a city that is Regina where I had a friend. And Judy asked me if I had anyone that I, that I, that I know in Regina. And I said, yeah, I have a good friend there, Pastor Troy. So I, I called Pastor Troy and I, and I told him, buddy, I, I have someone that needs visitation. Can you make the time? And of course, Troy, you know, got the clearance and he started visiting in jail. And he started basically studying with Paul. And that was such a blessing for Paul as he was uh, going through this, this hard time in his life. The baptism of Paul that was something that was so nice for me because um, I had the privilege to baptize him along with my friend Troy. And he wanted it that way because both of us, God used us to play a very important role in that transformational process and Paul accepting God and being baptized. So, so by the time I came home in November, uh, Judy was already talking about baptism. She'd been studying with Pastor Ricardo, um, taking Bible studies, and made a decision that she was going to be baptized on February 14th, Valentine's Day. Uh, now, while that day was a very emotional and a wonderful experience, wasn't quite ready for to make that commitment yet. Um, baptism's not something that you take lightly. It's something you need to make a major commitment, and, and I was not quite at that place yet. So Judy was baptized, and now when were you baptized? So I was baptized in July of 2017 at a camp meeting uh, in the lake at Camp White Sands. Um, needed to be done in the lake uh, because Jesus was baptized in, in the water. He was not baptized in a, a pool, so I needed to be done in the lake. I was baptized by Pastor Troy and baptized by Pastor Ricardo, two of the most influential people that had been part of my uh, becoming a Christian. So Pastor uh, Troy was the one who visited you in Regina. Why Pastor Ricardo? So Pastor Ricardo had done the Bible studies with me, but he was my pastor at church. And uh, we just be developed a, not only a pastor-person um, relation, but we developed a big, strong friendship. Uh, we're still friends to this day. Um, and I think that was important. I needed both of them because they were both so important in my life. So Paul now 
your life has completely changed you've given your life to jesus you've become baptized you got your old job back as a professional trucker which you absolutely loved and were passionate about and so everything was going wonderful and so it was just happily ever after for you um no um, so um, we went to camp meeting in uh, July of 2019. Uh, just prior to going to camp meeting, I'd been given, or uh, my company had given me a new truck to drive. I drove it for a week, went to camp uh, for a week, came back, drove it for about two more weeks, and then I started to feel something. Um, I was not feeling well. Um, got back home, um, I was feeling really sick at, uh, around Saskatoon, about six hours from my home. Um, was able to get back home, ended up in hospital, and I have an illness called Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, it's an autoimmune disorder. Um, it got me paralyzed. I was paralyzed from the neck down, and I was in hospital for seven months. So that's what you found out? Yes. You found out you had Guillain-Barre? How did you find this out? So, well, there's some tests that they run. Uh, they do a spinal tap uh, on to figure out what was actually wrong because there was all sorts of things going. My body was just eating itself away. So they did a spinal tap and determined that it was uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. It's a very, very serious illness. It almost killed me. I was rushed to the ICU. Uh, I was intubated. Um, my wife was told that they made it with just seconds to spare. Um, and it... It changed my life completely, but I never lost my faith. Wait, Paul, help me to understand. You were paralyzed and intubated and nearly died, but you are. Can you tell us about your life being a miracle? It's only through the grace of God. So I was in hospital just before I got intubated. I could still, I could till, still speak, and I had a visit from a pastor, uh, Pastor Maxi. We'd met him at a uh, camp meeting. Didn't really know him that well. Became a really good friend of mine uh, as we went through uh, this journey in hospital through the seven months. But he came to visit me, and he said to me, "Can I pray for you? Can is there something specific that that I can pray for?" And I said, "Can you pray for my hands?" I said, "I really." I can't live without having my hands working. And so we did a prayer for my hands. And a couple of days later, I was rushed to the, rushed to the ICU and intubated, and I lost my voice. Um, I can't speak anymore. And as I was lying in my bed with nothing much else to do, um, I just started thinking that I should have prayed for my voice, should have prayed to have my voice back. But thinking more of that, it was like, well, if I get my hands back, I can do a lot more than just speak. Um, I can use my hands. I could learn to speak with my hands. Um, I could learn to do everything with my hands. So praying for my hands was, was the good thing. As my recovery eventually did start, the first thing that came back to me was my hands. And my hands came back strong, perfect. They, they worked perfect, so much so that I could pick up a smartphone and type on a smartphone, type messages to the doctors, to the nurses, to my visitors, to, to my wife, people like that, and tell them what I wanted to tell them. Um, so the doctors could not understand how well my hands were working. And the only thing that made any sense of that was that prayer. 
Paul, you went through all these hardships. Is there a story in the Bible that you can identify with? Absolutely. Job. I mean, Job was put through so many tests. Um, God allowed Job to be tested. And Job persevered through all those tests. The loss of all his crops, the loss of all his animals, the loss of his sons and daughters, the loss of everything. And he never lost his faith. When I was in a hospital, my wife was reading Job to me um, because it just gave us that strength that if he could go through all of that, then we can go through this and we can come out of this. So, and we, we did. So um, life's not perfect, but it was a journey and uh, I'm quite happy with the way things have turned out. Final question, Paul. How did this miracle change your life? gave me a much bigger strength in God, um, knowing that He is there for us. But it also gave me the opportunity to share my story, not just here, but I do, uh, I've shared my story at various churches across Manitoba, uh, telling them. I share it online with people. Um, I've shared on the street with people. I've met people and just randomly started talking to them and have told them this story. And it just gives them faith that God is still there. God was doing miracles back in the Bible. People don't hear about the miracles today, so I'm hoping that through me they can learn that miracles are still happening. God has given me a ministry as well. I used to be a long-distance truck driver. I can't drive a truck anymore because I can't pass a medical test, but I do write a blog. Um, I have a blog called uh, a Trucker's Tale of Redemption. Um, it's at shinysideup.ca, um, which shiny side up is what truckers always want to keep. They want to keep the clean side of the truck up, um, not the dirty side. And that's the side of people, uh, that's the side of me that I want people to see is my shiny side. Paul, thank you very much for sharing with us on News Written Canada, sharing your story of how God led you through so many places in your life to where you are now, a completely changed and reformed man in the image of Christ. Can you pray for our viewers before we go? Pray there's maybe someone who's thinking, God doesn't perform miracles today, only in Bible times. And yet you know that he has performed miracles in your life. And you pray for those people so that they can see that God is alive and well today and willing to work in their lives and show his love to them. Yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are still performing miracles. Um, people don't see this in, in real life, but I'm one miracle and there's many others. So we know that you're answering prayers. And we just pray for those people out there that are struggling, those lost sheep, Lord. Um, we know that they are seeking to be found and we know that if they just seek you, that they will be found. We ask for a blessing upon them and blessing upon all the listeners. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Paul, thank you so much for sharing your miraculous life today on Eddie's Written Canada. Thank you for having me. Friends, Paul Croft clearly experienced the healing power of God's love in his life. Whenever Jesus met people who had fallen completely under Satan's control with no hope of escape, he offered help in the kindest, most gentle way. Our free offer today is entitled, The Healing Power of Love. The healing power of love reveals how every moment can influence eternity. To Jesus, no human was worthless. He gave hope to the roughest, most despondent people, assuring them that they could become faithful children of God.
Before you go, we would also like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel and also listen to our podcasts. And if you go to our website, you can see our latest programs. You too can experience the fullness of life that is found in the words of Jesus when he said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.